You're listening to an L.A. Kings podcast. For more episodes of this and every other Kings program, visit lakings.com slash podcast. You're listening to All the Kings Men, the official podcast of the L.A. Kings. And that means that the Los Angeles Kings will select number two overall. Now, here's your host, Jesse Cohen. Welcome back, Kings fans, to a special edition of All the Kings Men Live. As you just saw, the L.A. Kings will be picking second overall in the 2020 NHL entry draft. And as we all know, the Kings have had some pretty good luck luck picking second overall, most recently in 2008. Let's take a little trip down memory lane and see how that went. With the second selection from the Ontario Hockey League's Guelph Storm, Drew Doughty. But what he's got is he's got a level of hockey sense that cannot be measured. I love the game of hockey. I'll do anything to become the best player I can be. I want to be on the LA Kings. I always have been, and it's a dream come true. He skates well, he's mobile, he handles the puck well, he has a sense of timing to jump up and make unbelievable plays. That all just comes straight out. This guy's a Hall of Famer. Drops it off with Downey. Can't play back to Downey. He scores! A shot, he scores! Drew Downey with the answer! This defenseman, the way he plays, this is not an easy guy to play against. Muzzin, across for Downey. Big run, he scores! And royalty reigns again in the NHL! And he's just gotten better and better. He's one of the special players in this league for sure. 2016 Norris Trophy goes to Drew Doughty. Downey over the line. Final seconds of overtime. Downey to Foley. Save. Crawford. Downey loose puck. They score. There you have it. Drew Doughty taken second overall in that historic draft with Steven Stamkos going first overall to the Tampa Bay Lightning. And just a reminder for you folks out there, the L.A. Kings, the winner of the Stanley Cup on two separate occasions, Tampa Bay, still no cups with Stamkos. Obviously, they won it before he was drafted there. In a moment, just one moment, we're going to bring Mark Yannetti in to talk about the draft, to talk about his reaction. But I, uh, I just want to encourage everybody, if you're listening or uh, watching on YouTube, on Facebook, or on Twitter, if you want to have a chance to have your comments read, you got to join us on the Twitch channel. Thanks to everybody who is already joining us on the Twitch channel. Now, joining me, Director of Scouting, Mark Yannetti. How are you doing, Mark? Oh, doing well. Obviously, we moved up, so uh, it's That's not right. the, you know, when they flipped that card over, it looked like the LA Kings logo, too. Uh, you know, yeah. For a second, it was like a team, yeah. you know. But no, we're obviously pleased. I had my elbow back for a fist pump when I saw the top of that uh, logo, and then and then I had to downshift into it. Oh, all right. Well, second overall. But uh, look, your beard would go first overall in a in a beard draft. That's impressive. This beard's been shaved twice since. Uh, <laughs> oh wow! Since the pandemic too. It's wow. Yeah. All right. Well, so let's talk about that. Going into this, I mean, I had. I had talked myself into the the notion that they would wind up, uh, or that we, I suppose, would wind up drafting seventh, um, but it winds up winds up being second. Now, um, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but there's a a stat that gets floated around every time a draft comes around that you know only so many first overall picks have actually won the Stanley Cup in recent seasons. Um, second overall, just from a a possibility standpoint, seems to me like the most interesting pick. 
uh, you've got your work cut out for you over the next few months, yeah? Yeah, I mean, you know, without giving away trade secrets, I mean, if you if you finish <laughs> first, it's a pretty easy pick this year, right? So uh, now there's a now it, you know finishing second's a wonderful thing, but it it opens up a lot of uh, a lot of work, you know, mm-hmm. it's a lot of good work. Um, but it's uh, it's nice because you get to control. You, you know, you don't sit there and wait at three or wait at four or sit there at seven and, and say, "God, I hope this guy falls to us." Or please, you know, you're crossing your fingers saying, "Please don't pick," you know, so and so at six. So, yeah, I mean, it, it allows us a certain amount of control over our own destiny. I mean, one way of looking at it would be because Lafreniere is the hand, right? Is just the obvious first pick. The Kings actually have the first pick. Since he's, you know, a lock to go to whatever team. Wants well, over. you never know. We might have had him at second, so we're hoping to pick our guy at second. Right? <laughs> That's true. No, um, I mean, again, yeah, I mean, since since there's a, you know, I guess I guess nothing's written in stone, obviously. But um, even in the, you know, it parallels the Stamkos draft, right? Uh, everybody, you know, it, it, Tampa came out and said they were taking Steve. We talked to Steve. Uh, Mike, Mike Fuda knew Steve really well. Um, and, and he had told us the conversations and said that Tampa was taking him. So it's very similar. We basically had the first pick in that draft because you didn't, you know, you knew Stamkos was gone. And then we had to decide between Drew and three other people. So if, if the draft were taking place uh, during a normal schedule, you know, it would have been sometime during this week, probably. Um, there would have been a combine, there would have been a Memorial Cup, there would have been all these workouts and interviews. I think it's easy to say that Lafreniere definitely would have gone first overall, but we still have who knows how many months. How has this season and all of the challenges that have come with it changed the prospect of scouting for a draft? I mean, you don't have a combine, they didn't finish the season, There, you know, there's tons of games and high-pressure situations that you don't get to see. Will that play a role in the ultimate draft ranking? I mean, it's a little piece of information you don't have now. Um, you know, you don't the draft the draft combine interviews. Um, they're a little more like window dressing for me. Uh, you know, it's a chance for Rob to get to meet some of the guys that he wouldn't have met during the season face to face. It's a it's a chance to uh, talk. You know, especially with the North Americans, that work's been done. Our scouting staff is required to to log certain conversations, to, 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 to check certain boxes in terms of interviewing, vetting, you know, whatever term you want to use for these guys. So um, 90, 95% of the heavy lifting's done interview-wise before the combine. Uh, the one thing you miss is it's a little bit hard um, to get all of the Europeans done during the year. And Christian Rutu does a great job, and, and I get over there with Christian and, and we talk to them. But that's probably the biggest piece that the combine uh, uh that we'd be missing with the combine is, is is the europeans and then there's a couple of europeans we obviously would take extra time with there um so that's probably it's it's a small hole um and, and it's a hole that's that's fixable by by doing a little bit extra work whether it's on zoom or or or, or, t- or whatever platform you use uh skype whatever it is um to talk to the guys Obviously, getting the second overall pick is great, but the Kings will have 10 other picks uh, throughout the other six rounds of the draft. It's supposed to be an incredibly deep draft, from what I'm told. The Kings have three picks in the second round, if I'm not mistaken. So what is the likelihood of using some of those picks to move back up into the first for another uh, first-round pick? Um, it's hard to... Well, it's hard to do it not... I don't want to say in the moment, um, but... 
we don't know who's there right now. At 35, we don't know who's there. We don't know who's there at 26, at 20. Um, it's, it's, it's getting very hard to move in the first round. Uh, I, I, I think at one time, first-round picks were vastly undervalued. People used to throw them around like, like, like tic Um I think first-round picks now are slightly overvalued. Um, and it's getting really hard, even if you make a, even if you, if, even if you make a credible offer, it's, it's harder to move up when you're not in the first round into the first round. We've even hmm. seen it's even hard to move up a little in the first. Like it cost a, I think it cost a second round pick last year to move up three spots with Philadelphia was involved in the trade, if I remember. Um, but looking at that, if there was a player, um, you know, if there's a player sitting there at 23, 25, we probably have the ammunition to get somewhere in the late first round with what we have. Uh, the question becomes, is it cost prohibitive? Is it, is it 35 and 43? Is it, you know, 35, 43? And so it would have to be a special player to, to do that. Um, and then you have to determine what, what are you going to miss at 43? What are you going to miss at 35? I mean, um, if we were, if you want a situation, if we were going to do that last year, there would have been Kaliev and one other guy um, that we would have considered moving up for, and we got Kaliev at the pick. So, you know, it, again, you have to look at the situation. We, uh, we we took a calculated risk last year in, in kind of how we did our draft, um, thinking that we weren't sure it'd be Kaliev, but we thought it would be one of four players could fall to that spot and. At 35, uh, I think whatever we picked Cali of last year, he was the one player still left in that group. So, um, a lot would uh, there's a lot of moving pieces that would determine it. But I would I would I would suggest moving up um, to Rob if the right guy was there. Does the fact that the Kings prospect list is so highly rated, uh, ranked number one by a number of different publications? And the fact that you then acquired players like Tyler Madden and guys like Kaliev have been so impressive. Does that make it that much easier? I mean, does it just sort of grease the skids a little bit for potential moves, knowing that you have this, you know, stockpile of talent? Yeah, I, I, the stockpile of talent does it, it does a couple of things. Obviously, it it um, it allows you maybe to be a little more aggressive uh, in, in some of the things we're doing since 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 you have a cushion to fall back on. Um, for me, what, what, what it says, we have, we have a lot of good prospects and we have a lot of guys to fill certain roles. Um, but, but maybe with the depth of our prospect pool, maybe, maybe you could argue, um, you do package some of those picks to get a, a higher level player since we have a lot of good level players that, you know, if, if instead of, instead of blanketing three second round picks with an early, uh, borderline middle and late maybe maybe you try to get a, a higher level uh, maybe try to get a higher level guy and take two guys off the board you know not worrying about it because we have you know in terms of depth we have a lot of prospects players develop over time prospects develop over time i have to imagine that executives and scouts do as well how do you feel like you've improved in your role over the years you know do you feel like you've got a keener eye now for for any pit uh What's the word I'm looking for? Potholes that might uh, be lurking out there for a draft? I hope so. Um, <laughs> you, you know, uh, that, that was instilled on me early with, uh, with Dean. Um, he didn't, listen, we've made some mistakes uh, drafting just like every other team has. 
Um, some of the mistakes uh, were unavoidable uh, out of our hands. And some of the, some of the mistakes were certainly uh, just misjudgments by the scouting staff. Um, but I, I don't think we've made the same mistake twice, um, you know, either philosophically or substantively with the players, like, cause we've made philosophical mistakes uh, as an organization and we've made substantive mistakes. Where we picked the wrong player as an organization. Um, and I don't think we've repeated either one of those. So I think we've learned from our mistakes. Um, obviously, we try to build a better mousetrap every year. Um, I think we made exponential improvements um, early on, and then we stagnated a little. Uh, you know, I'm talking about my, my tenure there, you know, since 2007. And then I think uh, we had one of those creative explosions about three or four years ago um, where, where, we, where we started to uh, started to figure, uh, started to figure things out, you know, again, a little better, started to get a little more creative with our thinking. Um, so I, I think we're better. I think we're a really good staff right now. Um, I, I like, I like the progress we've made. As the game continues to grow, a lot of players, a lot of prospects are coming from places that maybe you wouldn't expect. So for even as far back as 2005, you get a guy like Andre Kopitar out of Slovenia, Recently, there have been a lot of German players um, who have sort of stormed the league. Now, Stutzel, is it Stutzel? That's the, yep. the guy. Um, how difficult is it to get eyeballs on players in unconventional markets that don't have a, a great track record of producing high-end NHL-caliber prospects? Uh, it's obviously more difficult to go to the non-traditional places. I mean, if you go to Finland or Sweden, um, there's 20 teams you, you, can, you, can, you can drive to, you can take the train to. You know, I mean, you, you can blanket you can blanket some of these places and see eight or ten teams really easily, similar to Canada. Um, and the, the the less traditional, like if you go to Germany, it's fewer games to see, fewer teams to see, so you have to jump around a little bit more. Uh, in respect to Germany, one of the things we're real fortunate with is, is Mr. Anschutz uh, uh, has a team over there in in, in, in <laughs> Berlin, so um, we actually have a really strong presence in in Germany. Uh, with our development staff going over there, with Christian and I going over there. Um, Germany is a very easy league for us to scout. Um, it's a very comfortable league for us to scout because we, we, I mean, we've had the Germans over since, since 2007. It might have even been earlier, but since I was there, our, my first development camp with the Kings, uh, we, we had uh, teams from Iceberg in, so uh, players from Iceberg in. So Germany's a fairly comfortable place for us. Uh, some of the other places, it's a little harder, obviously, in Switzerland. Like, you, you see Kopitar from Slovenia. But it's becoming more and more rare that you miss guys like that. You just have to do a little more work. The debate always comes up, do you draft for need or do you draft for best position available? And it, it feels like, over at least over the last few seasons, every time we've spoken to you, you lean more towards best position available. Looking at the depth chart that we referenced earlier with all the prospects and everything, it feels like there's tons of goalies. It feels like there's tons of defensemen, Come in tons, and find of, email tons of centers, tons of wingers. Um, is there any is there any reason not to go with the best player available strategy? No, um, I, I think I've said this when, when asked before. I think the biggest mistakes the Kings have made, um, at least since since I've been there, is drafting for need. Um, I think the, I, I, I think. Again, it's it's been the worst things that we've done, the biggest mistakes I'd call, at least one of them tragic. Um, drafting for need is dangerous 
because when you draft for need, very rarely does a player fulfill your immediate need. Um, since I've been there, we've only had one player fulfill an immediate need, and that's Drew. Um, you know, uh, a guy I don't think was a, a tragic mistake or a mistake. Uh, when Dean, when Dean was, we're doing our first draft. He thought we need, we had, we had the worst defensive depth in the league based on <laughs> our study. Um, so we wanted to build from the back out, and, and I like that philosophy. I agreed with it. Um, so we drafted Thomas Hick. We went D heavy. We drafted Hickey. We drafted a bunch of these D men. Uh, Hickey played almost 500 games in the NHL, but by the time he was ready to play for us, he wasn't good enough to play for our team. So that pick is a, you know, you, you get a guy who plays 500 games. It looks like a successful pick on the surface, but the fact that not only does he not play a game for the Kings, and we don't get an asset in return, um, that becomes no. It becomes a, it be, again. It becomes a bigger mistake. The mistake gets magnified. It hurts you more. Um, I mean, if you would turn Thomas Hickey uh, with Braden Shen into uh, Mike Richards, all of a sudden it looks like a genius trade um, because you got an asset back for him. We got nothing back for him. So we developed a player for basically for the Islanders to play 500 games. And that was based on that was based on drafting for need. Um, so, again, a, a great NHL player. That pick blows up. It blows up in your face. Might be strong, but it's it's just not the right right move. And 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 again, um, drafting for need. It, again, your, your needs just change. You know, I mean, at one time we couldn't get a free agent goalie to sign with us. We couldn't get Bob Rosky to sign. If, if I went through the, the list of names who told us no, there was even a prominent goalie who told us if we drafted him, he wouldn't record because we we had such good goaltending depth. One year from that. We had no goalies left in the system. You know, the only one we had left was quick. You know, Jones was yeah. gone. Bernier was gone. You know, um, so, again, best player available. Um, they'd have to drag me away kicking and screaming to, 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 <laughs> to get me to deviate from that. Now, the only thing I would say is if you have two players that are, you know, let's say, let's say coin flip 51, 49% if they're that close, then position might come into, you know, then, then a myriad of ways, like you might draft for need based on size. You might draft for need based on speed, based on maybe the guy's a power play quarterback. Maybe he's a power play forward. Um, if, if you think the players are that close, then you could kind of finesse it a little. But the players would have to literally be 51-49, 50-50, like, like that close to deviate from it. Well, I have to imagine that whoever's available at uh, number two in the draft will be uh, the best player available. It should be a real good one. To uh, help us celebrate right now, Mark, joining us is uh, president of the LA Kings, Luke Robitaille. Luke, congratulations, number two. It's not bad. Hi. What's up, guys? How are you? Excellent. How are you doing? I'm doing good. So we're Mark, just what's up, buddy? You got oh, some work great. to do now. Yeah, got some work to do. That's good. That's really good. Luke, when the uh, when the number five card turned over and and we all realized it wasn't the Kings, uh, and then we knew in that moment that the Kings had jumped into the top three. How excited were you that uh, the Kings would be moving up in the lottery and not down? Well, Blakey confused me at the beginning, to be honest. <laughs> so he said to me, Blakey says, I think. They're only going to show the top three teams. And I told Blakey, I said, I don't think so. I think they're going to go from seven down. So then, like, he was pretty convincing. So I'm like, okay, they might just show the three. So we were trying to figure it out how, if if it's three, it's another team, how it's going to be. Like, So we kind of had it down. But when they started going from seven, six, and then I, then when it got to five, and we looked at each other, we say, 
I don't think we could be fourth. And then we were Catherine Tappan says the Kings are in the top three. We were like, yes. <laughs> but you know, we're we're hockey people. So the minute you go three, we're like, man, we gotta be number one. We gotta be number <laughs> one. That's how you start thinking. <laughs> well, uh, there's no cheering in the press box. That's one of the uh, more respected rules. But uh, there could have been cheering, I suppose, on the draft lottery. There was certainly cheering in my room. You guys seemed awfully calm and, and cool and collected uh, in there. Um, but I imagine now we've got a few months to celebrate the number two overall pick. Yeah, we're trying to. It's one of those you're trying to be. I guess you're trying to be cool, but we're pretty excited. Like we, like we trust Mark and his staff. They, they, they've always gone above and beyond on on figuring out who's the best character, who's the best player. I mean, you look at what was done early on from 2000. What was it, Mike? Mark, you start with us in 2006, 2007? 2007. 2007. And uh, you look at the character we brought into this organization, players that it meant something to play for the King. Then you look at now and even what, uh, what people are talking about our organization and, and the pipeline that we have. So we know now this gives us an opportunity to get one more player that will uh, will come into our organization. They will mean something to be with the Kings and uh, and knowing these guys, what they're going to do. And when, when it finally gets to the final decision, because <laughs> they got a long time. So that means Mark's going to work really hard. I know Mark. <laughs> there's not you you know sometimes you could talk about there's no no stone unturned trust me there won't be anything <laughs> unturned in the entire planet to know wh which guy's the best guy and uh, so w we're gonna get a player that's gonna really help our franchise and I think the Kings fans should be really happy about that there's been a lot of news coming out about you know what the next season will look like maybe even the season after that maybe even the season after that I've been saying for months now um the Kings have actually wound up, I think, benefiting tremendously from the shifting landscape of the league, some of the rules, some of the financial decisions, because the the uh, the reimagining process is coming at the time that it is. It benefits them. It feels like this could even be one more huge uh, leap forward in the Kings' development because they already have this um, tremendous depth in, in the prospect system. And now to get the second overall pick um, at a time when you have the opportunity to plan to make sure everything you know all your ducks in a row and everything how important is it for the franchise to get uh not only the number two spot but also those 10 other picks potentially in the other uh, six yeah. rounds of the draft i think this, this draft is important to us because okay, where we're at and we know the players are coming there's a lot of players with a lot of character coming they're willing to do whatever it takes to make it to the nhl to help us win uh to to have the opportunity to add to that and, and get some kids that are going to come in and they're going to they're going to be willing to pay a price to help us win games and and th th there's a fine line you know about making the nhl and then wanting to help make a difference for the franchise and that's what we're always looking at and uh you know you know we were looking into at the end of the year like rob uh, does uh you know they, they have different scouting meetings and they have developments uh, meeting and then they were going over all the kids that were playing for us in, in Ontario last year, and some of the kids are been working out with some of our guys, and and it's kind of fun to hear that that uh, you know when you hear that the thing was saying, well, this guy we don't need to look at him, we don't need to worry about him because he's going to do whatever he's asked and more, and we're very fortunate that we have more than we ever thought we even had in our organization, 
And what that tells me is you're going to get guys that are willing to pay a price to help you win. And uh, we're pretty fortunate around we have that. And we're going to keep, I know we're going to keep in that same direction uh, in this draft. And uh, we're going to keep building on. Real quick trivia question for you, Luke. Uh, the year you were drafted, 171st overall in 1984, that was the Mario Lemieux draft. But do you remember who went second overall in that draft? Uh, I think Eisenman went third or fourth. Uh, according to this, Olchik went third. I think Eisenman was a different draft. But according Which, to this, was Kirk Muller. Kirk Muller went to, yeah. where did he go, New Jersey? Yeah, that's right. I think Eisenman went fourth in Detroit. Uh, according to this, I afraid he went fourth. I think it was a different draft. But maybe, I don't, maybe I'm looking at the wrong year. But... <laughs> I don't know, Mark. Mark. Mark would know, but uh, but here's yeah, what I told people about us getting a second round pick. I, I said uh, the last guy we got in the second round helped us win the cup, and you know he was an instrumental player. He was he's still a big piece. Drew is so important to our franchise, and then the guy before that went second of all was Jimmy Carson. He helped us get Wayne Gretzky. That's right. So so far the other Kings have been pretty fortunate though with their second round pick. Yeah, it turns out <laughs> all right. <laughs> um, Got a couple questions from some fans. Uh, Mark, I'll throw this one to you real quick first. Um, they're wondering if there's uh, any prospect in the, already within the Kings system that you think is sort of underrated or doesn't get as much run as the other ones that you think has the potential to jump up and make a name for himself. Um, underrated? Um, or let's say unsung. Well, you've got guys like, uh, I mean, you got guys like Kim Noisinen, um, you know, in Finland. You know, he's played on a Spangler Cup team over there that won a championship where he was MVP. Uh, he was on uh, the World Junior team. Like, he's a guy that doesn't get spoken of a lot. Um, you know, you, you hear about a lot of other prospects. Uh, so I'd say maybe he's under the radar. I guess a guy who's really under the radar, I know he's, you know, he's obviously a longer shot, but he had a, a quietly really good year. It was a kid named uh, Anders Leaf. He played at U Lowell last year. We drafted him in the seventh round. Um, I would say he's undervalued. He's a seventh round pick. Um, we've actually done quite well in the seventh round. I, I think we're something at like 39% or 43% success rate. Um, so he's a guy, I guess, anytime a fourth round pick has a chance to make it, even if it's an outside chance, he might be an, a guy, you know, again, to watch for it. That doesn't mean he's going to be Drew Doughty. You know, it doesn't mean he's going to be Anze Kovatar. Um, but he's a guy that you would you would automatically dismiss as a late pick who's uh, who's had a quietly good year. Luke, you were a prolific goal scorer and most recently named uh, the greatest player to ever wear the number 20 in league history. So congratulations to you on that. Um, when you're looking at the prospects, do you focus uh, mostly on the goal scorers or is there a player, maybe a defenseman or, or a defensive forward or a depth guy that sticks out to you? Uh to me, Jesse, it's it, it's pretty simple. It's it's you know obviously you look as an organization where we're at and what what Mark and his staff has done the last since 2017 is kind of built up a pool of talent and guys, but it's like I want to have players that are willing to pay a price that no one else is willing to to pay to first make it to the NHL and second to help you win, and if you do that, regardless of the position you're going to have a really good team. You look at our team that won the Stanley Cup in 2012. These guys played like no one else in the history of the NHL has played. That's why they won in the least amount of games, because they were willing 
to do things that people don't understand is important to win a game. And they, they, they sacrifice points, uh, personal rewards to help us win. And then you take it to 2014, where they were maybe a little bit tired, different, a couple of different guys. And then suddenly, when their back was against the wall, they said, you know what? We could do this. And they did once again something that no one else has ever done, which is win the Stanley Cup in the most amount of games. So when you think about the, the kind of players we want to get, it's it's character. It, that's the number one thing. It's like obviously the skills, the talent, everything is there when you're picking that high. But you get the right guy with, with the right person and and everything. It's it's everything, and 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 that's how you build a, a franchise. That's why Drew and Kopi were so important, and Quickie and Justin Brown. These guys were so important to us when we we had our runs. I'm sure it's impossible to put a, a direct number on it, but when you're interviewing a guy, when you're sort of get, trying to get a sense of what that character is, um, and Mark, we'll start with you on this one, how much of it is learned through watching them on the ice, and how much of it can you glean from interviewing them, from talking to coaches, teammates, family members, whatever it is? Well, I mean, you, you take the entirety. Um, obviously, you, you watch a player. Um, you can develop uh, an idea of what his character is just by watching him without ever meeting him. And you can watch him in warm-up and see how he approaches warm-up. You can watch him before the game starts and see how he approaches that part of the game. And then, obviously, you watch the game. Um, very rarely does someone who bails out from every hit and doesn't make you know see the play that you talk to and say, oh, this guy gets it. This you, you know. So um, what, what happens is the majority of the time, the interview matches the player. Uh, that's the majority. Now, every year, there's four or five guys, six or seven guys that the, the personality doesn't match it. You know, albeit whether you thought he was, this, you know, you thought he was this, this character guy and then you talk to him and you're like, ooh, you know, or the other way around. That just means you have to start digging. You know, did, did you see the right things? Did you, you know, you know, is he, a, you know, is he, is he a small guy on the ice? Is he not developed yet? But you see the burn in his eyes. You know, all things, all things like that. But, but usually, you know, usually things line up in a in a sequential manner where you make your first assessment, the second one matches, the third one matches. You talk to other people, that matches, and then the final one matches. It usually does fall that way, you know. And and it, you know, and most people you talk to are on the midline, right? I mean, most of the people you talk to are good kids, and 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 good players and, and want to be NHLers. Uh, very few people you talk to are, are bad, what you'd call bad kids or low character kids that, that, that maybe are selfish or don't care. And then same thing on the other side, very few players you talk to um, have that crazy desire in their eyes, you know, uh, you know, like, like, like Wayne Simmons had, like, like uh, Kyle Clifford had, um, you know, things like that, that you start looking at a guy like that and it, it, it comes through, just in their presence, you know, you could you could tell that you could tell that Simmer wanted to do everything it would take to make it. Like it was right off the bat, you could tell that Cliffy wanted to do everything to make it. Those guys are easy, you know. I mean, they, they just jump right out at you. But you know, you take in all the information, and 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 if something doesn't match, you figure it out. Luke, as a player, I imagine you probably would have developed um, a radar for that sort of player. You know, you could recognize. Um, that sort of spirit in somebody as an executive, 
do you find that you've developed a similar kind of radar, you know, whether it's being around the family, being around the scouts, being around the player off the ice, getting a sense for how they carry themselves, how they interact with their coaching staff, their training staff, et cetera? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, for me, like I, I trust what Mark and his staff and then Blakey, I know they, they, they'll meet with Mark and they'll meet, you know, everybody. And I, I trust what our guys are doing and, and, and know where they're going. Once they get to the NHL, you see them and so forth, but it's hard, you know. So, you know, I, I trust the judgment of our guys, what they've gone through and the experience they've had. I mean, you look at... You know, getting a Drew Doughty at the time, you know, I, I mean, I don't want to speak for Mark, but I'm pretty sure if the Kings would have ended up first, we probably would have taken Drew, yep. you know, and, and that would have been a very controversial decision at the time because Steven Stamkos was supposed to be number one, but that just tells you. So I know that and knowing that for me, I think, you know, the like you know, like Mark and his staff, they'll send me a few videos and I'll watch some guys and I'll watch them, but I'll never know the guys the way they know. I mean, you could tell the way Mark's talking. Like, he'll know the kind of underwear the guy's wearing. <laughs> final question before I let you guys go, and thank you so much for joining us. Mark, any final thoughts on uh, how the draft lottery was uh, formatted, conducted? Uh, any changes you would have made or like to see moving forward? Obviously, hopefully we'll never have another scenario quite like this year. Well, obviously the draft lottery format was almost perfect, you know. I mean, <laughs> That's right. Nothing, almost. You know, almost. Really, it was almost perfect. It was genius the way it was set up. Um, they, they made one small mistake. And if they hadn't made the small mistake of including the the play-in teams, I mean, it would have been vanguard genius. Uh, and, <laughs> and again, it would have been completely, you know, form. no, again, um, it's, it's imperfect. Um, it's imperfect last year when we lose, and it's imperfect this year when we win. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not sure the logic or the fairness of having a team have an opportunity to play for a Stanley Cup and be involved in the lottery and having a lottery team not be allowed to play for the Stanley Cup. Again, but that being said, you know, I haven't come up with a better way to, to, to do it. Um, you know, it, it's – and again, it's the same – it's the same for everybody. I mean, you know, it's the same for Ottawa, same for Detroit, and the same for whatever placeholder team won it. Um, so, the again, any kind of lottery system, any kind of draft system is always going to be imperfect. You know, if you have no lottery at all, then you get tanking. Uh, if you have a lottery, somebody's always unhappy. Um, you know, I'm glad I'm not the guy in charge of it. And I'm glad, <laughs> you know, I'm glad no one needs no one needs my opinion on it. So it worked out for us. It worked out for us almost as well as it could have this year. Um, so we're happy, you know, and like, just like last year, whoever didn't work out for like us would be unhappy. So every year, you know, every year you're going to have people that are happy, unhappy and, and people that are content. Uh, this is no different. Well, Luke, one final congratulations for, uh, securing the second overall pick in the upcoming draft. Any final thoughts or words of encouragement for Kings fans who now well, get to wait? I think, I think it's the time to celebrate for our Kings fans. I mean, they've been very patient. I mean, we... You know, a couple of years ago, we, we we told them, said, look, you know, we're gonna we're gonna have to rebuild. We're gonna have to be a little bit patient. And our core friends have stuck with us. They saw last year when we when the kids started coming up, the difference in the way our team played. And now with this year having the second overall pick and having three picks in the second round, I mean, and we got what was it, Mark? We got two in the third round. 
Yeah, we got. Uh, I think we've got seven. Uh, you know I think we've got seven that. picks in the first four rounds. So yeah. we're we're really loaded, and once again to do something very special. And uh, you know, I, this is the right time. I mean, for forty over forty three years, the Kings, the LA Kings, traded away picks, traded away young guys, and so forth. And then suddenly we decided in 2007-8 to stop doing that, and we won two cups. And now, and then the way it was is that's the, the way the system works is you you gotta have to trade some guys to to keep winning. And then now since 2017, we've gone the same route with a different mentality, different look, and and so forth. So this is exciting. This is gonna be a lot of fun for the Kings fan. They should enjoy this moment. And uh, when we get back on the ice, I think they'll be excited. This is hopefully one more step towards winning the Stanley Cup again for now. Thank you, gentlemen, for joining us. And we're going to look back at uh, the first step towards winning that first Stanley Cup, the 2003 NHL draft, where the Kings wound up with Dustin Brown. Thanks for joining us, guys. See you. Thank you. Thanks, Jesse. Welcome back to Nashville. Draft day is a special day for anybody who's been a part of it. Los Angeles Kings are placed to select. Going into draft day. You don't really have a team picked out. From Guelph of the Canadian Hockey League, Dustin Brown. I remember the Kings table sitting in front of me and knew they were going to pick me. Scholastic player of the year twice. It was a special moment for me, but it kind of was a blur. Real character guy. Kind of think about the team you're drafted by maybe the next day or a couple days after, because at that point you're just so thrilled to be drafted by, by any NHL team. So there you have it. That was a look back at Dustin Brown taken in the first round of the 2003 NHL entry draft. Thanks to Mark Yanetti and Luke Robitaille for joining us. And congratulations to them and to all of us. The LA Kings winding up with the second overall draft pick in the 2020 NHL draft. Who knows who it'll be? It'll be exciting. It'll be fun. Obviously, the number one overall pick would have been tremendous. But as we saw with Drew Doughty and Steve Stamkos, and we just heard Mark Yanetti say in 2008, even if they had the first overall pick, they would have taken Drew Doughty. Um, this is going to be exciting. It's going to be a lot of fun. Hopefully the Kings will be able to add to their already deep and highly ranked prospect pool with uh, the number two pick, whether it's Byfield, whether it's Stutzel, whether it's any of the other players. Do keep tuning into All the Kings Men Live and the All the Kings Men uh, audio podcast. You can subscribe to that at lakings.com slash podcast. Over the next month, we are not only going to be doing uh, reviews of the past season and grading some of the players, but also taking a deeper look at some of the players available to the Kings with that second overall draft pick. We'll be talking to play-by-play announcers, scouting experts, coaches, getting as much info as we can for you on who the Kings should take with that number two pick, who they might take with that number two pick. So when the draft does come around, you'll know who you're rooting for and uh, and what the options are for the LA Kings. I want to thank again, Luke Robitaille and Mark Unetti, and more importantly than the two of them, everybody behind the scenes who helped bring this episode of All the Kings Men Live and all the episodes of All the Kings Men Live available to you. I hope we answered your questions. Uh, if we didn't, feel free to reach out to us. Let us know uh, questions you want answered in the future. We will go ahead and try and address them in those future effort, excuse me, future episodes that I referenced. 
Uh, for now, however, I'm going to go celebrate. I hope you are celebrating as well. Thanks for watching, Kings fans. We'll talk to you soon.